Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. How we doing, church? Welcome today to all of our campuses. Um, as you already know, I, we, we've done some special stuff. I've been surprised, and I am an emotional wreck, which says a lot for me because I'm not a big weeper, but I have found that the older I get, the, the more I start to weep. Has anybody found that? Does anybody? Oh, well, that must be a common human condition. I didn't realize that. So it's kind of been catching me off guard. But welcome, welcome, welcome to uh, Central Campus. I want to welcome New Hope Kenya in the world. Yeah. New Hope Columbia, South Carolina. New Hope Sanford. New Hope North Raleigh. New Hope NCCIW in the Polk Prison. New Hope Garner, Coffee House, Upstairs, Durham Central Campus, Internet Campus, and our most recent, if you're counting, our 10th campus. Now, I want to look at the camera and say to all of you good people over there in Hillsboro, North Carolina, you are joining a movement that is fired up about you being a part of of us, And I wanted you to hear that from them and not just me. So I think we have a bunch of people who are fired up to welcome New Hope Hillsboro. over there, but if that doesn't fire you up, <clears throat> your wood might be wet. Uh, just saying. Wow. So, um, I, still, I still type out my messages, and uh, you might think I never use messages because I don't look at my notes usually when I teach, but like I, I literally type out my messages. It helps me say things differently, and I just enjoy the process. And um, some pastors say, "Well, I, I don't, I don't prepare for sermons. I, I, I just, I get up and let God lead me in the moment." Well, <laughs> and I'm like, "Dude, God leads me in my study during the week as I get in the Word of God." And I just, just I, I, I've never been. I've never, I've never been one of those, but the point I'm making is I, I've, got a, I've got an entire message up here. Like my normal messages, um, they're eight pages long. And sometimes they take me 30 minutes to teach, sometimes 40, sometimes 50. Yeah, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and I'm not one who looks at a, a clock when I teach, but... It's 9.37. No, it's not all right. It's really not. I wish it were, but no, you don't understand. We, we've been having traffic jams back to I-40 lately. Literally on the exit ramp. And, 
and our other campuses are having big crowds. And so, bro, I appreciate it, but it's really not all right. It's not. And children's ministry, they have to have time to turn over the space. And so my point is, and, and, and this is a good, this, this is a good message. It's a good message. But I can't, I can't, I can't preach this in 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So I'm going to follow the Spirit of God here today. And I'm going to save this till next week. You don't have any idea how much work I put into sermons. Like part of this is just a stewardship thing. I spend, since I'm telling you a lot of my stuff today, I spend, I spend easily 12 to 15, sometimes 18 hours a week on preparing messages. Um, and so like last thing I want to do is get up and spend 10, 15 minutes on something that is, deserves so much more than that. So I'm going to save this to next week. And, um, and it's going to be Vision Day Part 2. Is that cool? Is that cool? And the only hesitancy that I have in my spirit is the fact that Hillsboro's over there. And they're probably like, they're checking me out, man. They want me to preach. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to share whatever the Spirit of God leads me to share. And I think it's just on that whole gong thing that we just did and life change. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something bold. The Spirit of God is leading me just to share with you today a little bit of my story, my testimony. And uh, you folks in Hillsboro need to know who I am. And, uh, and by the way, I'm not a dude that wears a bow tie a lot. <laughs> FYI. Uh, you just don't, don't come back expecting that next week. Um, but I put one on every now and then. But I even put a, I even put a coat on today, man. I don't, I don't have any holes in my jeans. So, uh, but don't get used to it, I'm just telling you. Um, I, th I think I will use one thing. We've been in a series on great and awesome. This is so dangerous. Y'all be careful on the front row. Oh, we got it going on. We've been in a series, man, in Nehemiah called Great and Awesome. And as I was thinking about that this week, I, it just kind of hit me in a very profound way that Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. Why? Because it's broken. But he's, he's really not rebuilding a wall as much as he's rebuilding people. And I wanted to stop by today and just let you know that ours is a God who rebuilds broken. Ours is a God who, who rebuilds the broken stuff of our lives. And so if you're sitting here today and you've got problems, then you fit right into the book of Nehemiah. I mean, I've got problems. Hillsboro, welcome. My name is Benji. I've got problems. Does anybody else have any problems like like and that would be a good chance to, to look at your neighbor and say what's your problem <laughs> no no don't say it like that don't <laughs> actually do say it like that 
Look at your neighbor and wear an attitude and go, go, what's your problem? Does anybody have problems here? And, and, and listen, don't, don't, don't say, don't, don't say your problem is sitting beside you. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. But, but like, if you have problems, we're in good company because the book of Nehemiah is all about problems. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. And then he got promoted and he eventually made it to the governor. But it's a real gritty book. He's just, he's got all kinds of problems. And he's 800 miles away and he hears that Jerusalem has been ransacked and the people are just broken. They're in ruins just like the walls of Jerusalem. And I, I would imagine that some of you are sitting here today and you just feel like this pile of rubble. You just feel like you've got ruins in your life relationally, maybe vocationally, maybe financially, maybe, maybe psychologically, maybe emotionally, maybe spiritually. And what I want to just remind us today, and then I'm going to kind of move on off the stage because we got, we got some, two great songs that we're going to end with and a video that's just going to tell you, like I've already been weeping and some of you have, you better get the Kleenexes out before you watch this video. But God is a God who rebuilds broken. Open up your Bibles to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. And I'm going to be reading just a few verses. Verses 4 through 6. If you love the Word of God, let me hear an amen. Amen. So Nehemiah gets summoned. He gets told about Jerusalem. Everything's broken. It's just jacked up. In Nehemiah 1, 4 through 6, this is what the word of the Lord says. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted before the God of heaven. Come on, have you ever had problems so bad that all you could do was weep? You ever had problems so bad that, that you, you just wept and you fasted before the God of heaven? Then I said, Lord... The God of heaven, the great and awesome God. Everybody say great and awesome God. Great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayers your servant is praying before you day and night. What's your problem today? What are, you, what, are you, what are you dealing with today? Maybe you showed up at one of our campuses because you maybe didn't have this metaphor to work for you, but your life is just lying in ruins. The gospel good news today is that God is a God who changes lives. God is a God who rebuilds broken things. God is a God who will take the rubble, come on somebody, of your life and build something beautiful. Now, I can say that. And you might be like, yeah, well, okay, that's, your, that's you. Who's that? I don't even know who you can say that. What? I'm a living testimony of that. 27 years ago, I was arrested for the sixth time in a seven-year period 
I grew up in a normal family, whatever that means. Is there any such thing as a normal family anymore? What, what is normal? I grew up in, I guess you said, normal southern family in South Carolina, deep south. But my family didn't go to church at all. I never, ever, I mean, like really never heard about Jesus as a kid. We weren't like deep church. We weren't unchurched. We were never churched. And at the age of 11, I started doing some very bad things. I know, 11, can you imagine? And between the age of 11, 17, going into 18, I was arrested six times. For everything is from possession of marijuana to resistant arrest to assaulting police officers to grand larceny. Yeah, I was that guy. I was that guy who would like break into your house. And steal your stuff because I was so strung out on crack cocaine. The last time I was arrested, some of you are going, oh, I didn't know. Because <laughs> I just realized I haven't shared this story in a long time. New Hope, most the ones who've been around a long time, they know that I used to do this about once a year. But I haven't shared my testimony in a long time. Some of you are like... Honey, grab the kids. <laughs> um, the last time, September 23rd, 1988, I was strung out on a 48-hour crack cocaine binge. No sleep, no food. Guys, I didn't, I didn't look like I look now. I had hair down to my butt. I was in a gang. I was riding motorcycles and fighting all the time and I shrunk up to about 130 pounds. And on September 23rd, 1988, I'm on this 48 hour crack binge and I'm in a Burger King parking lot. And I went into the bathroom and hardballed some more crack. If you don't know what that means, good for you. You don't need to know. And I I overdosed, and I was falling on my face in the, in the stall at Burger King. And I don't know how long I was there, but I started to kind of come out of the overdose, and I stumbled through the parking lot, falling several times, and got into my 1968 Mustang. And I tried to drive out of the Burger King parking lot, and I hit, hit an elderly couple in their car. I hit, I, I hit them. And I remember, because I, I all of it's very in and out. I'm coming in and out of this overdose, and this older guy gets out of the car, and, and I, I take off from there, and then I go into Broad Street, which is the main street in Sumter, South Carolina, and I hit another car there. And then I went down to another intersection where I had a head-on collision with another car, and I took a right, and I turned, and I went down and got in another final wreck, and I would have gone further, but my car wouldn't go any further. I could show you a picture today of that white Mustang. And it is nothing less than a miracle of Almighty God that I walked out of that accident alive. Accidents. The cops were responding to the first hit and run. And they passed that accident. And they turned around. And, and there I am. I'm getting out of the Mustang. And I'm, and I'm, I'm falling on my face 
on, in Sumter, South Carolina, right in the middle of the road. You're talking about a pile of rubble. And I would get up and I would fall again. And I would get up and I would fall again. And finally the officers grabbed me and they arrested me and they threw me in the back of a car. And they started searching my car and they made a mistake. They left me in the car by myself. And so I reached up with handcuffs on and I unlocked the door. And I got out and I ran. And so here I am, 17 years old, strung out. It's so sad. It's so, it's so just pathetic. And I'm falling and they finally get me and they, they put me in the car again. But this time they put this big burly police officer beside me. I wasn't going anywhere this time. I finished searching my car, and to make a long story short, I, I was taken to jail for possession of marijuana, possession of drug paraphernalia, resistant arrest, three hit and runs, possession of crack cocaine, and changing lanes unlawfully. Throw the book at him. <laughs> and there I sat. I was facing five years in prison. $5,000 bond. Nobody was going to get me out anymore. My parents were not going to get me out. They did the best thing they could do. They gave me tough love. Some of you need to hear that right there. Love can be tough and often it needs to be when you're dealing with prodigals. I sat and I sat and I sat. And finally, a chaplain, a jail chaplain, Ray Jones, came to my jail cell and gave me my first Bible. And I said, I don't know where to begin. What should I read? He said, go read the Gospel of John. And I, I was the guy in jail who read the Bible nonstop. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then, then I said, what to read next? And he, he told me to read Luke's gospel, and I read Luke's gospel. And, and then I got to Luke chapter 15, and I realized I was the prodigal son. I was the one who was out in the far country. And then I said, what do you want me to read? And he said, read Romans. And I'm just in jail every day. I'm just reading the Bible, reading the Bible. And then my court date came. And I knew I needed a haircut. So I got a jailhouse barber to give me a haircut. And he literally, it was like, bowl cut? You ever heard of bowl cut? That's what I had. Went before the judge. I said, first he looked at me, he said, boy, where's your honor? One of the toughest judges in South Carolina. I said, your honor, I don't have one. He said, where's your attorney? Did I only if I just said that? Where's your attorney? I said, your, your honor, I don't have one. He, he said, well... What are you doing here without an attorney? I said, I didn't have any money and, and nobody was going to give me an attorney. He said, well, we could have appointed you one. I said, well, really, I just want to share with you what's going on in my life. And so I, I took about five minutes. I guess I was a preacher already. <laughs> and I took five minutes and I told him what I haven't told you yet in the narrative. But right before I went to jail, right after I got the haircut, the chaplain came to my jail cell and said, do you want to become a Christian? And I said, I don't really know what that means, but sure. <laughs> and I got down on my knees on a steel jail cell floor with a steel toilet and a steel bed 
And I kneeled and he knelt with me and we prayed a prayer. And I just repeated after him and asked Christ to come into my life. And, and something changed inside of me, church. My life just changed. It, it wasn't like everything got okay. It wasn't like, you know, uh, it wasn't like, you know, I just started dancing around and singing in the jail. Amazing, great. No, no, no. I still woke up every night in a cold sweat craving crack cocaine. But I said, Your Honor, I said, I, I, I've accepted Jesus Christ. And I'm a Christian. And I said, I, I don't want to go up the river. I was facing five years in prison, state penitentiary. I said, but I don't want you to let me go free either. I need help. I'm still craving crack every day. I said, I need help. And he sat back down there forgetting. He had that gavel and he said, boy, if I could tell you all the times people come before me and they accept this Jesus in jail, it'd blow your mind. I sentenced you to five years in the state penitentiary. Slammed it down and paused and I, my heart sunk. And he said, but I suspend that sentence to three years probation and you successfully completing a drug rehabilitation center. I went to a drug rehabilitation center. I was supposed to stay a month. I asked special permission to stay two months. Every Tuesday night, some preacher from somewhere in the area would come into the jail and preach the gospel. And they would always bring with them uh, 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 an elderly pianist. <laughs> no, seriously. And she'd get on that piano and, and we'd sing the old gospel hymns. And I was learning it all for the very first time. And the preacher would preach and a bunch of drug addicts. You didn't have to go. Those who went in, wanted to go to what they called gospel hour. We'd go to gospel hour every Tuesday night. And what I'm here to tell you today is that God just started changing my life. The cravings started to get fewer and fewer, less and less. I was a high school dropout, yeah. Sorry, Hillsboro, you're getting it all on the first Sunday. <laughs> high school dropout. Got out of treatment center, got back into high school, got my grades up high enough to get into the University of South Carolina. Didn't know what I was going to do. And so I declared pharmacy as my major. <laughs> Young person, don't freak out. You don't have to know what you're going to major in. You're probably going to change it multiple times anyway. How ironic is that? I was selling pounds of marijuana every week just to support my crack habit. I guess somewhere subconsciously I decided I, I had dealt enough drugs illegally. <laughs> it was time to dispense some legally. I was a pharmaceutical delivery boy at a drugstore in downtown Sumter, South Carolina, Main Street. Again, one of those places where you get the homemade milkshakes glory. Hallelujah. You know the ones? Go up to the... Anyway, I'm digressing. Somebody go get me a milkshake. No, just kidding. <laughs> I don't have any time today. except to tell you that you're looking at a man who's really much of nothing in and of myself. You're looking at a man who was a hopeless, hell-bound, sin-scarred, 
broken pile of rubble. And yet I stopped by to let you know today that the power of the gospel changes lives. I stopped by today to tell you that God took a high school dropout, drug addict, hellbound, sin-scarred man and let him be the first Kelly ever to go to college, first Kelly ever to get a master's degree, first Kelly ever to get a doctorate degree, first Kelly ever to be a pastor, first Kelly ever to be used of God. And it's not because of anything in and of myself. Come on, somebody. It is because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ who can change your life. He changes lives. He forgives sin. He secures eternity. He is a good God. Amen. Praise His name. That's so good. God's so good. I'm not so good, just for the guest. That's so good. God is so good. As I've been reminding you every Sunday in this series, I hope you know New Hope Church is not great and awesome. That's the name of our series. I hope you know Benji Kelly is not great and awesome. But I want you to know today that God is great and awesome. God is great and awesome. So I got to end. I got to end. And I lied to you. I'm not even going to show you that video. <laughs> I don't have time. I want you to come back next week. I'm going to show you a story of a guy from Kenya at our Kenya campus. The power of the gospel saved him from the slums. Saved his life. It is the most powerful video testimony I have ever seen or we have ever done at New Hope Church. But it's five minutes. I don't have time. But here's what I do have time to do. Do you know Christ? I want to give an invitation right here, right now. Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you pass from this world into the next today, would you know that you know that your eternity is secure in heaven? Are you here today in your life? You have rubble in your life and you need God to change your life. You need God to start to take the ashes of your life and build something beautiful with them. I can promise you he will do it. Those aren't hollow words. Those are powerful testimonial words. You're looking at a man who's been radically changed by the gospel. And you're in a church with people who have been radically, come on, anybody here, been radically changed by the gospel? So come on, New Hope, let's pray together. All heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to pray for the person who is here today, and they desperately need the power of the gospel. Lord Jesus, I pray. I pray for every person here, God. Thank you for what you've done today. You've blown my mind. I'm an emotional wreck. But it's because of what you've done, God. Thank you for saving me. 
27 years ago. Thank you for calling me into ministry and using me for 25 years. You get all the glory and the honor. Father, I don't want to wrap up this celebration today without letting somebody receive Christ. And without dragging it out any, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you deeply desire something inside of you is yearning for Him right here, right now. Why don't you do what I did on September 23rd, 1988 in a jail cell? Why don't you just cry out? Why don't you cry out and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your spirit. Forgive me of my sin. And rebuild, please God, rebuild the rubble, the ruin, the brokenness in my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Let the church say amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. You, if you just received Christ, come on at all of our campuses. I know we've received the offering, but if you received Christ, just take another Connect card out and fill it out. Mark that you accepted Christ. Leave it on your seat at any of the campuses. The ushers will get those cards. I want to send you some information. I want to be praying for you. If you need a Bible, we have Bibles. We give them away free. I'm going to turn it back over to the campus pastors now, and they are going to lead you into a moment where we sing some songs. Campus pastors, we're going to save that final element um, at the end of the service. We're going to save that till next week as well. We're just going to move the, the, the closing of great and awesome and the response time and the commitment to next Sunday. I'm just wondering how many of you are going to, going to be here next Sunday? Yeah. Let's just roll it into next week. Thank you. Thank you for honoring me today. Thank you for, um, thank you for celebrating 25 years of ministry. One of the things I'll share next week that I had in my message today is, is how hard the last five years have been. Staff know this, but you don't. Really hard. Really hard. To the point of sometimes wondering if I could go on. But God's brought me through it. And just what you did today, minister to me in ways that you will never, ever understand. So thank you. Turn it over to the campus pastors. I love you guys very much. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, just stop by one of our campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. Thanks for being a part of our church family and we hope you'll join us next week.